Welcome to day 46 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with uh, Cindy Kemp and David Keefe. Hey, guys. We continue to read through the Gospel uh, of Luke. Uh, We just left Jesus yesterday in the trial before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. And, of course, we know from the other Gospels they had many false claims against him. And they're looking, you know, for Jesus to actually, you know, convict himself. And so they ask him the question here in Luke, are you the Son of God? And he said, as, as you said so. In other words, you guys are talking about that. Uh, I probably am who you think I am. Mm-hmm. And that probably is your worst fear. And so they ask him, you know, point blank, are you the Son of God? And he said, the one thing you know, that you'll know for sure is one day you'll see me sitting at the right hand uh, of the Father. And, of course, that's a perfect picture of the authority of the Son of God. So from there, the assembly takes him to the Roman trials. They don't have the capacity to execute him, so they take him to the Roman trials, which will be Pilate and Herod. And that's where we find ourselves in chapter 23. Before we uh, dig into Pilate and Herod and the accusations made against Jesus by the Jewish ruling council, let's offer this moment uh, to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you endured in the hands of men for our sake. And Father, our hearts are deeply saddened because we know you've also endured ridicule from us. We know that we have taken you for granted. We know that uh, we have not been in awe of the cross as we should be in awe of the cross. And Father, we pray that as we read, uh, that you recapture our hearts. We thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you that you've given us your spirit, and by these you build us up into Christ Jesus. So may you do your work in us as we read by your spirit for your glory and for our joy. Mm -hmm. It's in your holy name we pray. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Then the whole assembly, the Jewish Sanhedrin, then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man subverting our nation. He opposes paying payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priest and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up all the people over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent them to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been waiting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I've examined him in your presence, and I find no basis for your charges against him. Neither is Herod, for he sent him back to us. So you can see, he's done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I'll punish him and then release him. The whole crowd shouted, Away with this man. Release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! 
For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I found no grounds for death penalty. Therefore, I have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown in prison for insurrection and murder, the one they had asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. These are hard, hard chapters to read. You have uh, the Jewish assembly actually uh, stretching the truth quite a bit in order to uh, uh, get pilots here, especially in the in the line about you know claiming to be uh, uh, you know, claiming to oppose taxes to Caesar. Of course, what he had said was actually very honoring to Caesar. Mm-hmm. He said, "Give me a, a Cohen whose image is on this, then offer back to him what is his." You know, the Roman Empire has provided for you in so many ways, and because of their provision, you you owe them this debt. But there is one who has provided for you even greater, and there the greatest debt is owed. Mm-hmm. So also give back to God, you know, what is you know what is what is God's. Uh, he also never fully claimed to yeah. be Messiah. It's not a claim, but the evidence all pointed that way and of course his claims to be seated at the right hand of God made it very clear you know that he was who the Old Testament had pictured as the one who would rule the nations with an eternal eternal kingdom which is quite remarkable so as you guys look at this trial what are some of the other things that stick out to you well definitely what you're alluding to they're trying to you know kind of get um get Pilate's ear you know like this could affect the income he's also claiming to be a king which could affect your position yeah and so trying to get his ear but even in that Pilate still says I don't see anything wrong I don't see any charges against this man and even after consulting with Herod and then two kind of coming together to some degree he still says he has done nothing deserving of death and so we get to see again just the the innocence of Jesus in all of this and yet we see that he still will be sent to the cross mm-hmm I guess I had questions about that because it sounded like Pilate was, you know, didn't want to address this. And when he found out he was, uh, Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent them over to Herod. Did he want Herod to be the bad guy? Oh, the yeah, guy? There, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know, I don't even have to deal with this. Everything that happened in Jerusalem during Passover, when the entire nation would flood into the city of Jerusalem. So sometimes the population swell from about 50,000 to 500,000 people during the festivals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very incendiary. I mean, yeah, no this is not the first, you know, this is not the first would-be Messiah that would be executed by Rome, nor will it be the last one. Finally, Rome will collapse on the city uh, and completely destroy the city because of all of the messianic hopes. And, of course, that's why Jesus told the disciples, many people will say, I am he, or I am he, but don't, you know, be deceived, you know, be, dece- be deceived by them. Mm-hmm. So there's always an incendiary atmosphere, and it's hard to make a right decision here. Mm-hmm. And so he puts the decision off. He said, well, let me just stick this one to Herod. And, of mm-hmm. course, he learned before these My days enemy. they had been enemies. Yeah. And so this is not, let me do Herod a favor. Let me just see how Herod handles this. Mm-hmm. And even when they do have him, they they ridicule him, Herod and his soldiers. They mock him and, and then dress him in an elegant robe and, robe and send him back to Pilate. And so just the mistreatment of Christ there, who is the true king, being ridiculed as a king. And so a little bit of irony mm-hmm. in that. No, but there's there's a you know there's a a deep irony, and of course you know one of the deeper ironies in this whole thing is they ask for you know a common criminal. 
you know, in the place yeah. of, you know, the king. And the elegant robe must have been, you know, one of Herod's own, uh, you know, mm-hmm. one of his kingly, you know, robes, uh, maybe even the one that he had on, you mm-hmm. know, they took off and put on him as they mocked him, you know, for who he was. Mm-hmm. And that was probably, you know, kind of an inside joke when he sent him back to Pilate. Pilate, you know, saw the robe, and that's where he's going, ah, he's pretty clever uh, in, in, in what he's doing. And he sent him, you know, right back to me. Mm. And probably what made him friends was not that they had a common enemy, but they had a common fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's what they, were, they had this weak hold on power, mm-hmm. and they had a common fear. And uh, both of the people, and both of them, and, and these are guys that are not known for their justice. And uh, both of these guys find nothing in Jesus, you know, to be condemned, you know, to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even both of them being just a little bit impressed with him. So, you know, both to the Sanhedrin and to, you know, Pilate, Jesus has cagey answers. It's as you've said, or you're calling me, you know, Messiah. You're calling me, you know, the king of Jews. And Herod has nothing to say at all, which is kind of interesting. Mm. And I like, too, how when you get a little further on, you know, in the narrative and even get into Acts, it seems the, the, the apostles and disciples looked back on this moment quite a bit, especially as they began, you know, addressing the crowds in the early book of Acts. And even when we do see Pilate finally handing Jesus over, uh, finally giving in to to the crowd and his fear of, of these people, um, you know, it would go on later that Peter would even say that this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross, but God raised him yeah. from the dead. And we pointed it, you know, out earlier in the week, you know, the double statement. Whenever Jesus' disciples are preparing, you know, the upper room for him to be crucified, Luke says, on the day uh, the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Mm. So Jesus uh, was offered up uh, as the necessary sacrifice for our sin. And you have that, you know, covered beautifully. You know, in Luke, Luke Acts. And I always think of this scripture too, you know, where Jesus was saying that he didn't, they did not take my life or his life, but that he laid it down willingly. So it just feels like just this silence on his part is just kind of moving into all of that. Well, of course, and it's a beautiful Isaiah passage, yeah. like a lamb before mm-hmm. its shearers mm-hmm. is silent. Right. And, and so you have, you know, the silence of Jesus really mm-hmm. in no instance, you know, making, you know, making any defense. Yep. You know, not before, you know, not before the Sanhedrin, not before Pilate, not before Herod, you know, not, you know, not before the people. And we know that Jesus most like or absolutely could have because we've seen his defense earlier as they keep bringing him kind of tricky questions and those kind of sticky theological matters that they're trying to oh, sure. trip him up in and and he just gets them every time they're even the, his enemies trying to get him like that's a really good answer so he could have given such a good answer and he here even if you, you know he even promises the apostles when you find yourself yeah I'll in the same you. situation mm-hmm. yeah. you must offer testimony for me don't sweat it yeah because i'll give you words and wisdom which your opponents yeah. will not be able to contradict. And, and not only would he have been able to defend himself in eloquent language, and obviously uh, Pilate would have let him off the hook. There were members of the Sanhedrin that didn't even consent to what was going on. Herod would have let him off the hook, uh, but uh, he is following what you know the will of the Father as revealed in the garden that he must mm-hmm. take this cup 
you know, on our on our on our behalf. Yeah. And not only that, he he could have also just called. Right. Yeah, call from, them down from heaven. Yeah, mm-hmm. hey guys, need a little he help. Could have called a whole legion of an- angels, you know, to rescue him, you yeah. know, at that point. Mm-hmm. But he deliberately took the cross for us. And of course, what I pointed out while I go in Barabbas is the mm-hmm. perfect juxtaposition. You know, the very worst of sinners mm-hmm. for the most innocent of men. And of course, that is the same exchange that took place for us. He died for our the innocence of God died for our sins. And Paul said, you know. He, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that through him we might be the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful picture. No, absolutely. So much gospel there in the Barabbas scene. Um, even though he's completely guilty, he mm-hmm. gets released. Um, and then Jesus goes ahead of him. And so we too, completely guilty, deserving of the punishment for our crimes, get released. Um, and that's only found in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Nice. Really rich passage. Mm-hmm. David, do you mind leading us in a word of prayer? No, I don't. Let's pray. Father, we do. Um, as we look to your word, we are reminded um, of how all of Scripture it was leading to this moment and how we find such rich allusions uh, of who Christ is all throughout the Old Testament, how he was the lamb who, who went quietly. And so, Father, may we reflect deeply on Jesus this morning. May we be reminded um, that as the crowd shouted to crucify him, that Jesus willingly and lovingly on our behalf went to the cross. And may we marvel in the good news that because of his obedience, um, we too, um, through his life and his death and his resurrection, can be released. So, Father, thank you for the good news of Christ. Thank you for the faithfulness of Jesus on our behalf. Um, May we marvel deeply at what he has done for us. We pray this all in his name. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm.